Welcome to Tilt Talk Radio. Today we're going to be talking about PSNTs. We've got our June Dairy Challenge number three. In our spotlight, we'll be looking at some changes to Syngenta. They launched the Syngenta Group. Ag History Minute. we got the Dairy State. Continued. We're going to talk about the Dairymen's Association, founded in 1872. Cool beans, that's corny. We'll have some current events. And with me today are Todd Schomburg. Hey, all the Tilties out there. Max Garvey. What's up, everybody? Bill Schomburg. Hey, guys. And I'm Matt Brueger, all with Tilth Agronomy. So, beautiful morning here. It's nice now, but I'm going to get hot later. Maybe a little rain, which we actually maybe could use after a week of dry weather. In places. In places. <laughs> <laughs> Just that, like, six inches of rain. You know, half inch would be nice. A yeah, nice little half-inch soaker, not, nothing too major, but I still saw sanding water on Wednesday, so I'm not not sure that everybody quite needs it yet. Had a lot of spraying happen this week. That was really good, uh, getting stuff out of the way. A lot of fertilizer going out there, too, I think, guys, side dress. So yep. Yep. Yeah, big week L- for that. A little bit of rain would kick that into gear, too, I think. Absolutely. So that would be nice. We'll see. Yeah, hopefully we get enough rain to soak that fertilizer in and not wash it right down the road and off the field. Yep. Yep. So, all right. So our June Dairy Challenge number three. Max, you set this one up for us. So what do you got? So uh, we have four flavors of Culver's custard made fresh every day. No free ads, Max. No free ads, but I mean, I do really love this stuff. So I got four flavors here for you guys to try. We're going to start. too delicious. We're... (laughs) Just keep going, guys, to the ads here. What else? <laughs> We're going to start with the, the green-colored one and work our way clockwise around the bowl, which if you guys follow our Facebook page, you will see the picture of said bowl later, Matt, sometime. Yep. When the, when the episode's live, I'll post it on Facebook, and you'll have an opportunity to see what we were eating. Perfect. All right. We'll start with the green here. All right. Well, green usually means mint, so I'm going to go with it's mint something. Max, did you pick all these, or...? Are these your specific four favorites, or uh, how did you decide on the four flavors? I actually really confused the people at Culver's when I said, I need four pints of custard in any flavor you want. So I ordered, and then, you know, the way they have it set up now, you can order outside, and then you go and drive around the other side of the building, and whatever, they work through that for you. So I ordered, they bring my food out, and the girl asked me, did you get your four pints of custard? And I said, no, I, I did not. He said, well, which flavors would you like? I said, you pick. Literally any four. Like, I need four flavors. You want four different flavors, not like two and two? And I'm like, no, I want four different flavors. And I get to pick them. Correct. I need four different flavors of your choosing. Literally, stick your hand in the cooler and grab four and come back out. That's all I need. So it was. I don't think they get a lot of orders where it's like, you can do whatever you want. So, but yes, I got four different flavors. It took a little bit, but we got it. So, what's your guess here, boys? I'm going mint Oreo. Yep. Yeah. I was going mint chip at first, just looking at the bowl, but then it's not chocolate there. It's it's that Oreo. That Oreo flavor. That's good. Good one. Mint Oreo is a classic. Like the Dairy Queen mint Oreo Blizzard, just awesome. I mean, you can't. You can't be, you know, Oreos are just awesome alone. Yeah, Oreos and ice cream are even better. Yeah, you throw the mint in there. That's a a classic. All right, this next one might be a little tough. If you didn't get the right topping in there, it's really going to throw you off. But 
This is one of my favorites. So, actually, I do I do really like this one. Really Reese's. Correct. Really Reese's. Wow, you you have the names up in front of you, Bill? No, this is my absolute favorite. I just got the Culver's and the I got Reese's a piece yeah. in there. Yeah. You got the Reese's peanut butter cup in there, and it was mm-hmm. like, boom. Really, Reese's. Because you had the the exact name there. That wasn't even like I think it's chocolate something. You had really Reese's right well, on right on the pint. Guys, it's one of those things where you like. Do you not drive by a Culver's and look at what flavor it is every day? No matter where you are, whatever Culver's you're at, you just look like, oh, that's nah, that sucks. I'm not going. Oh, yeah, this is boom. This is the one I want. You I kind of don't even, like the digital screens right, now because it's not always yeah yeah it's not always up where when it used to just be a you know the letters yep. yeah the drivers yeah. behind you get really mad when you stop <laughs> when you wait slow for down. the flavor of the day to come up <laughs> in the middle well, of the traffic it but. is nice to have a picture of the flavor that's cool you know that you have yep. you know you see the oh. ice cream that's that's but classic. that's why Max I know this one because if I see it it's like immediate off the highway in the drive-through whatever I'll, I'll s- now i'll say this this is like a that is like a genius marketing thing that they've done because i literally have no intention of going to culver's but i see a flavor a day i like and i'm like i got five minutes like i can stop quick little dish no big deal so yeah i i also really like the uh really reese's the, the good news here is when i pull it off the spoon i'm like this is chocolate maybe chocolate brownie because I didn't have the Reese's in front of me, you know, and then you pop it in, and it's like, boom, there it is. Bam. Reese's Explosion. baby. Reese's baby. Yes. All right. All right. So we got we got the next one here is this uh, mixed mixed bag looking one, little white, little chocolate. It's for sure cookie dough. I just wonder what the name would be because it's like a chocolatey. Craving? Little, cookie dough craving. Is that is their cookie, cookie dough, dough craving? Name? Do we have to have the name right? No. Nah. Cookie dough swirl? You guys, it's crazy for cookie dough. Oh, so you had the cookie dough part right. So that's that's good. That's that's worth your that you get your point for today. You either like cookie dough or you don't, right? I think you either like oh. cookie dough or you like cookie dough. Yeah, you don't. Who yeah, does like, it? I got. I don't know. My, one of my kids are like, no, I don't like cookie dough. I'm what? Like, what? That's the go-to oh. when you don't like the flavor of the day and cookie you get dough? the scoopy meal because you can get one extra topping with the kids' free little scoop. So yeah, they go. Cookie, cookie dough, dough all day. My kids go brownies if they're doing that. Oh, brownies a good one too. Yep. I Chocolate remember brownies, whatever mint brownies. Yeah. Oh, that sounds pretty good. Mm-hmm. So, all right, ready, ready for the last one? Let's see if you guys can get this one. Yeah, I got a, a nut in there, so <laughs> I'm gonna go with caramel cashew. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. This might actually be my favorite. Uh, 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 the old standby, the caramel cashew. I like the Sunday, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Cherry on top. Caramel cashew is the the OG favorite flavor from way back in the day. So we nailed three out of four. The fourth one, we were 50%. You, do, you guys we, did really good. We know our Culver's custard, guys. That's right. We work experts. That employee picks some. These are like the heavy hitters. Yeah, they're good. You know, this good wasn't flavors. like. Uh, hey, these really are like the. These are the, the top. Oh yeah, these are the top of the top flavors. By the way, we could do this every podcast, and it'd be cool. <laughs> yeah. You just yep. want to grab another four next week, Max? Even in even if July. that's not the, the dairy challenge, we'll just keep going. The, yeah. the real part of the dairy challenge is all of it you have left. I'm just gonna mix all together. <laughs> you swirl now. it. Yeah, we'll see what that tastes see, like. I just ate it all. Each time, like I, I've already consumed. So take the four best flavors and basically make a blizzard. I uh, 
I wouldn't mind trying to uh, see how you guys would do it at Ben and Jerry's challenge because they got some wild flavors. Yeah, to get the exact flavor. Yeah, that, I mean, and, and co- their names are funny. Like mm-hmm. you know, you know the the half baked. That's the one that's got four different kinds of cookie dough in it. Oh. Ch- Chunky monkey. Chunky monkey. The cherry Garcia. I like. I think yeah. that's a cool name. Cherry like, Garcia. Yeah. I'd fail. <laughs> I'd fail at that. More Culvers than. Ben and Jerry's is not in our mix at home. We do the we do the Ben and Jerry's every Ours now and Ours is more the quick trip ice creams, the Nature's Touch. Nature's Touch, yeah. Four bucks for a quart or whatever they are. I like paying five bucks for a pint. That's really where it's at. <laughs> five bucks for a pint straight from Vermont. I honestly don't think I've ever had quick trips. Oh yeah. Ur- some yeah. urge tracks. Urge tracks. tracks. So is that the same as moose tracks kind of, or yeah. bunny tracks yep. or cow tracks? So when you've got the urge, you, yep. uh, you, you get some you urge tracks. Tra- yeah. No, it's it's not bad. Sweet. All right. Are you guys ready to get into our topic for the day? If the ice cream's gone, I guess we better, yeah. So our thanks to Joe Sinkula for sending in a question for the podcast. And his question was, PSNTs, can we talk about them? Uh, why do we take them? What is it? When should we take it? And what do the results mean? So <clears throat> we'll just kind of ride right through that and start with: Should you be taking a PSNT? Let's start with what a PSNT stands for and is, Matt. So it's it's pre-citrus nitrate test. So basically, it's a nitrate test. So we could do a PPNT, which is a pre-plant nitrate test, which is the same. It just differs in when you take them. So um, right now, the we're at that pre-cydress time where we're starting to cydress this week and next week, depending on corn size. So um, basically, this is a good time to take them and see how much nitrate is in the soil. So uh, we, usually we take a 12-inch core. Um, most of the time when we're doing soil testing, it's it's less. It's a six-inch. Six inch, yep. So at this time, we want to go down deeper to where those corn roots are going to grab up nitrogen and just see how much residual N is there and, and what, what nitrogen is in the soil. Basically, I like to think of it as, you know, how much fuel is in the tank. So is that soil at half, you know, half tank? Is it empty? Is it full tank and might last us all year? So... Um, that's kind of the, the what they are. You guys got any other explanations Just, well, of what I, they are? I think <clears throat> when you're taking it, too, it's it's got to be, your timing's got to be there, too. You can't just, like you said, there's different timings for these tests. The pre-plant, take it before you plant. This one's taken more towards side dress, so you don't want to necessarily take it like right after you planted. You want to wait a little bit, especially with manure. A lot of times it's hard to capture manure. So letting the corn grow to like 6 to 12 inches is usually when we start taking them. You might see the manure then. You might not. Um, but I think, too, guys, depending on farm size, you got to think about how long it takes to do everything. Mm-hmm. You know, you take your samples. You get them to the lab. They're pretty good about getting them back within a day or two. And then you get your results, and then we relay that message to our farmers. And if they've got 50 acres to side dress, is a lot different than if you've got 5,000 acres of side dress. So on my larger farms, I start maybe at three to four inch corn so that they can get it, you know, we can get everything sampled, get the results back, and they can, you know, get in their timing and be able to get application done in a timely fashion before it's kind of too late, too. So yep. 
it is good to think ahead on them because it always seems like you you need a sort of a week or five days lead time you know like you said bill to take the sample get it to the lab get it back make the decision on what we're going to do so yeah these there there's nothing sort of instant yet in the field when it comes to these type of tests it's uh it it does take a little bit to get back but i would say the lab turnaround is actually really good it's usually about um, a day so that's kind of really. nice it's you, quick and if you can get them in before noon on on your given day that's yeah yep you're getting it back the next day usually so and i've had it too where we get them in at right away when they open and by end of the day they're starting to roll some results out so that helps a lot I how many you guys taken per field taking more than one i mean for us we're doing one only because of it's just practicality really yeah i I think it depends what you're looking for i mean there's obviously the csb program which we have farmers enrolled in that they have to take one every i think it's 20 20 acres acres. so you know if you have a 40 acre field that's two um but in general you're your field's probably not going to change that much if it's unless it's huge. Like well, it depends on field size. What right. I was just going to say, and soil type and conditions and all that. So, um, yeah, I got all of that. I mean, some we just take one per field. Obviously, on small fields, um, larger fields, there's times where it's nice to kind of split up and just see, you know, in that part of the field what's it showing versus a different part. Um, but I really like using these results too, not just what does the number tell you. It's comparing it with all the rest of the results on the farm. Yep is, okay, we know this field got manure, this one didn't. What do they show versus each other? And that really is helpful to see that because um, you can maybe start to see trends of, okay, the the soybean credit is kind of showing up, you know, and it's got a little bit there or the, the manure credit and stuff. So it's, it's kind of nice to compare them to each other. I know uh, one summer here we did, um, we used aerial imagery, the, uh, the, with, um, you know, the planes that went over, and then we got those maps that showed, you know, the better versus the worst areas in the fields. Yep. And we pulled our PSNTs according to that. So we split it between the really good areas, the really bad areas. How are you guys splitting your fields now? Are you just east, west, north, south? Or are you trying to find a better spot, a worse spot, uh, stuff like that? No, I've done that, Max, where you go yellow or corn. just Because this time of year, you can usually see it pretty easy. Yeah just with your feet on the ground and say, okay, that's yellow or, or greener. And then comparing that way, which is interesting because I've had it sometimes where the yellow or corn has the same amount of nitrate as the green corn. And it's just in the yellow spots. It can't, it's just not able to get to it. The corn's under a different kind of stress or something like that. Well, I so. think you're like this where we have drown out areas or poor areas due to excess water. You're going to see that exactly what Todd was talking about where <clears throat> It looks yellow, but, you know, it says the nitrate's there. Well, yeah, there's just that additional stress of maybe it crusted because it was wet and then it baked because we, we keep going from wet to super hot. Um, and so that ground's so tight, you just mm-hmm. there's compaction. Other maybe, stresses yeah. that are affecting it. Ruts from for herbicide application, you know, so yep. those things and things affected too but taking a psnt at least that rules out okay we are not short on, on nit- nitrogen in this spot we it's got to be another you know so it's another tool in the toolbox to figure out our our issues and and our our shortcomings in a field yep and you know it depends what you're going to do with it are you going to actually do different rates across the field or are you going to blanket apply anyway so 
you know, if you're if you're not going to change the rate based on those results, then maybe there isn't as much cause to take more than one. I've seen some some changes in application um, based on those nitrate tests. Like we still put on the same amount, but we changed our application because we saw okay, the yellow corn and the green corn they're equal on current nitrates. Let's uh let's go do a little bit more aggressive aggressive applicator and try and open that soil up that's really tight and and you know oh we were just going to spread urea but now we're going to change it up we're going to go with a with a cultivator unit with a hose and and see if that helps and i think that's a good a good uh, adjustment to make to not necessarily always your rates but maybe just your management style i think the other thing i'm using it for is to evaluate fertilizer types so we do a lot of <clears throat> nitrogen urea whatever it is at planting um, just to get it started, but I also have a, uh, several farms that is using ESN, the encapsulated stuff, and it's really amazing. And every year, I mean, it, it's doing what it's supposed to. Is I guess what I'm getting at is we look at those samples that have ESN on them, and they're constantly. And we're going to talk about what the results mean, but you know, they're in the 20s and the 30s, which state you know we're pretty good with nitrogen nitrate in the soil. So I think I'm also using it to evaluate. You know, if we're doing preplant urea up front and we get lower numbers do we have to change it do we lessen it do we do a 50 50 blend with urea and esn up front or 25 75 so those things i'm also using it for to evaluate our program and see if we need to change it or or stay the course and a lot of times with the esn over and over again if the guy's willing to spend the money on that little higher price fertilizer it's paying off And how do we take them? Well, <clears throat> um, like Todd said, we do a 12-inch core, so we we have uh, specific nitrate probes that we use as opposed to a normal soil probe for that 6-inch core. Generally, we're taking them between the rows, not in the row, um, You know, especially if you're doing starter and banded fertilizer. You might skew it a little bit by picking up what's by the seed and not really what else is available in the field. So between the rows... And like we said, we've been doing them for what? It's about third, wrapping up third week of PSNTs. Or you guys been running them? Yep, yep. So we started when corn was probably in that six to eight inch range, and now we've got corn out there that's probably getting to be that fifteen to twenty inch range now. So, <clears throat> um, yeah. So taking them somewhere in that timing. Uh, we don't want to take them right after a rain because that can skew the results too. You usually want to let it let the field kind of settle out for a day or two. You don't get a good sample either. Yeah, it's yeah, harder to, trying to go down to that do extra sample. six to eight inches. You don't get a good sample, so you want that soil to be firm if you most if you can. And the probes will break too, guys. By the way, I had a <laughs> scout this week just wrap one. Yeah, uh, fun times. I know. Yep. <laughs> That can that can happen. I was gonna make a plea. If there's anybody on here listening who designs nitrate probes, please start making them with the replaceable tips. Why, why do they not have replaceable like, tips? That is I just wild. Got one. They're just those shorties. Yeah, they and have they're one. harder to. Yeah, it's sitting over there. I just ordered one, but it's it's so small and hard. You know, harder to use. So, yep. but yeah, it does have replaceable tip. It's the Oakfield style. Yep. Yeah. Shout out to Oakfield, Oakfield, Wisconsin, making um, soil probes. And, um, yeah, they, they make one that's kind of 
fits for this, but it's quite small and hard to do use you, on a daily so, basis. So the shorty style, do you like kneel on that? I've never had to, to use one. You have one. to kind of kneel on it, or I kind of push down until like my short knees can get to it, and yeah. I just kind of is it. The, ter- is it terrible? Or? It's not terrible. The problem is, is if you, you get do, to that tipping point in your center of gravity, and your knee just boom right down, and you you drop her, and you got to start over. Yeah, and it's it's just to do them all day with that smaller probe is it's just wears on you more. So, and but then it, you get the suction in the soil when you got to pull it back out. Oh yeah, wrench your back. Your and your your lever is not quite as long then. Um, yeah, it's probably better though um, if corn starts to get a little bit taller. You know, at times we get that little bit taller corn that. That longer probe, it seems like no matter what you do, you're like turning around, you're stuck in the corn, and like you know what I mean. You're just hitting hitting stuff all the time, so it's probably nice for that kind of thing. And or if you got to walk it, you know, if you don't have a four wheeler and you got to walk your PSNTs, which it's does nice to have the short probe. Yeah, down. it does happen, unfortunately. <laughs> all right, so I think we've covered what a PSNT is, how to take it, when to take it. So let's go into the results a little bit. So what do we, what do we do now that we got it back? Lab sends us a sheet, and the sheet gives us a number. It says, "Hey, ten, oh, okay, or seven, twelve, fifteen. <laughs> so which do we, doesn't mean apply ten pounds, right? It's not your wait a second. It does not mean apply ten no. pounds. Oh, I've been no. doing this whole thing wrong. No, I had a couple of ones and twos this year. So ones I mean, and twos. I don't. Yeah. yeah, rarely do you see it under a yeah. four. I had ones and twos this year. I had seven was my lowest. So I far. think and I think we had a three hundred something once, and I'm pretty sure that was a typo. But it was still like <laughs> giving the giving the report, and like you hand it to the farmer, and he's going through, it and he goes, "Oh my god, three hundred and eighty-eight. Well, that's great." <laughs> yeah. Sure, it was probably three point eight eight. I don't know yeah. what I don't know what it was supposed no, to be, think but thirty eight. It's out of range. We, no, literally, so, we, we literally took did, a sample in the manure pit. I was going to say, did you hit in. the cow pie or yeah. something? We, said, we actually took a manure cup and sent it in and said, can you run yeah, a PSNT run on this, please? Oh, boy. Now the, the scale for our listeners is um, 10 to 20 is sort of the scale that anything under 10, you're low. Anything above 20, um, you're in good shape. So if you want to think of it as like the fuel gauge um, at 10... You're kind of on the empty side, maybe a quarter That's tank. Gas or light, that little light is yeah, the ga- at yes. you. you gas got, light. Or now where you got your fuel range, yep. you got fifty miles to go, so you maybe got, you know, two weeks to go and you're gonna run out. Um and then over twenty, um, you know, there you're you you know, you're kinda good for the rest of the year potentially. I mean, there's still and, and now with having Y drops in some ways to put nitrogen on late, we could we can wait and see how the corn looks late as well, which is nice. But um, you know, over twenty just shows that you have enough mineralization event out there, and yeah, the you clerk, should be all right. Clerk is yelling at you for topping the tank because you're, <laughs> yeah, you're squeezing that that little bit more in. Like, ah, oh, yeah, the stopper went off, but a couple more pumps. So, what if? Uh, what about what do you guys do? Or I guess go over like last fall we put on say thirteen thousand gallons of manure. We put down another twenty units with the planter, and we're still coming back at like a three when we take our psnt are you hitting the panic button and getting more nitrogen out there or are you saying we just need to give it time and let that break down and we'll see it or, or how i guess kind of walk through that i think yeah, that's an I important th- thing to talk about i think it is too is you want to do it i mean this is to try to help us see um extra cornell's got a good tip where they said um you know if not enough manure was applied to meet expected and needs of the crop, this is a good time to use this. So like Max said, where you're in that, you know, 
12,000, which is potentially not enough manure to meet the whole crop needs. Um, this is a good test to use to try to see, you know, how much of it's there. And um, a, a good thing to do is to be patient because a lot of times this and you know, and mineralization happens at, at when that soil gets warm enough and, and stuff starts converting. And we don't always know when that's going to happen. Sometimes it happens in June. Sometimes it's July. So, yeah, being patient and trying to just say, okay, yeah, we know what we did. We know that it's not quite there. So maybe let's um, try to put a little bit on to just get it to where that manure is going to kick in and then just wait and see the crop color till to make sure the manure does kick in and is there. So that'd be my opinion is just, you do have to be really patient and you have to put in um, just because that number tells you something, you got to know cropping history. You got to know, um, was there alfalfa credits the previous year? Because then it has you do something different. Was there manure pride the previous, you know, what, what did you do before all that? How many units do you have out there? Cause um, yeah, this might tell you what's sort of in the tank, but at the same time, there's almost like a reserve tank, like on an old school four wheeler, how you yeah. used to have the reserve tank. And that would be the stuff that we don't know, you know, exactly when that's going to convert and start switching over. So yeah, just and that, be that, patient. That's exactly the point I was hoping you would make is that, you know, for us, especially we're in a heavy dairy rotation. That means there's manure and there's alfalfa all the time. And that's a, that's an inexact science as to when you're going to get those credits. We have an idea. We know kind of when it's going to happen, but we don't know for sure. And if those, you know, if it's a really cold, wet spring, it doesn't, you know, that mineralization doesn't, the soil doesn't warm up and you don't get that mineralization. And those, uh, those PSNTs can be kind of shocking at first. So you got to kind of take everything with a grain of salt too. And, and like you say, know your cropping history, know what you got, know what you got out there and, and be patient. Yeah. It's always a good idea to, <clears throat> to know what to expect with, the way you're managing if you're doing all commercial fertilizer the weather is going to affect it differently than like we've been talking about with the manure and that kind of stuff um, the potential for leaching is just going to be different and so you've got to got to look at your management style and what you've been doing to really kind of gauge that probably the best indicator too is the crop color currently when you take the test along with the test so is it extremely yellow or is it pretty green that that crop can tell you too is i mean that's a good indicator of of also what the what is what could this is an indicator of what's in the soil but the crop can tell you what it's actually getting if it's getting enough or not or, or where it's at so, so max I, and todd what you're saying is don't look at the sample in a vacuum and say correct this is the result this is gospel go out and do it you got to look about what the crop is telling you you got to look at history whether it's manure or Alfalfa, and I think also too with manure is you got to think about spring manure versus fall manure because I think we see vast differences with that as well. You know, I I think I maybe I'm wrong, but I think I see spring manure being a little more available right away than fall manure. Right, taking more time to mineralize that it sat all winter long. Yep. I I remember my first summer here learning about PSNT tests, and there was a farm that had an alfalfa field that. They took a uh, fourth crop off and then hauled manure. And then the following year we're planting corn and the corn was yellow. And they're like, there should be way more nitrogen, you know, plus what was done with the planter. There should be plenty of nitrogen out there. And all summer it was like, that corn is yellow, that corn is yellow, that corn is yellow. And about the 1st of August, all of a sudden the corn shot up. It was green and it, you just, and it was a cold, wet start to the season. And you just kind of see that finally come to fruition. But the whole summer it's like, well, come on. 
agronomist let's go here why you know why are we putting on nitrogen why are what's the you know kind of the deal so like you say in a vacuum yeah we you know this this nitrogen test says we need to put some on but when you look at the whole picture you're you got plenty i think too i don't know what you guys have been seeing but i've started to see some corn um kind of turn that corner this week where color was all of a sudden starting to improve um so and that shows you something too where you know we we pulled them last you know if you pulled your test last week looking at the color now you look at it this week you know before the side dress happened it's like okay we are starting to see that happen so the patience thing is a big deal um you know just knowing what's there whether it's alfalfa credits manure credits esn whatever you're using so sometimes it's really hard to have patience though when you see a oh, week, yeah. week like this how good it is you can get the work done and then you look at the next what four or five days and there's a chance to rain every day and you know okay if if it's deficient truly deficient my corn is suffering right now if i don't do it i gotta wait five four more days for the rain and then to dry out and then do it again and then hope it rains again to get my nitrogen worked in so there's a there's a game there too oh yeah of, of getting the work done too and then um one other thing with the the results, so it'll give you pounds of nitrogen to apply, and it, it is pounds of nitrogen, not pounds of fertilizer. That's an important it's thing. units to, of nitrogen, yeah. correct. Yeah. yeah, there's a scale within that 10 to 20, and it breaks it down You know, between 10 and 12. It's this much, and and then there's a yield factor too. So if you've got a high-yielding environment versus a medium. Yep. So, yeah, it, it's a, it is nice that way that not many other, like our tissue tests for corn, they don't give us, there's no scale that if you're at this level, of tissue tests, this is how much fertilizer um, or N units you should apply. So it is really nice that way that, um, you know, there's a lot of calibration put into that of of what that result, you know, means and what you can do with it. So one last tip I would say too, don't forget, is um, you got to store these samples in a cool, you know, next to ice. Um, we always bring coolers with ice packs. And then if they're, you know, just so we store them cool all day and then, if they're not being ran that day, they're putting a freezer and stuff. So um, just to try to keep the microbial activity low af- right after you take them is really important. So um, that's one thing to remember that, you know, a traditional a, a soil test for P and K, that's not as important. But for nitrate, we want to make sure that we're storing these properly. Yep, keeping them cool. All right. So that's the why, what, when, and how of PSNTs. So pre-side-dress nitrate test. Uh, we've been taking them for a few weeks here now, and I'm starting to do some, some side-dress these, in these weeks too here. So hopefully your corn will start looking better, even if it doesn't look better already. So in our spotlight for today, we're going to look at the Syngenta Group, which is the new name for a single entity that encompasses four businesses in a Rigo organization. So the four businesses are Syngenta Crop Protection, Syngenta Seeds, Adama, and Syngenta Group China. I think they stole this from Tilt Agronomy Group, by the way. <laughs> Syngenta <Yeah>. Group, <laughs> yep. Tilt Agronomy Group, yep. yep, for sure. We've been around a while. It took them, took them long enough to figure out that it was a good idea. Is it Adama or Adama? How do you say that, Bill? I don't know. I'm because I've heard it. Adam A. Adam, Adam A. A. Yeah. Adamame. Adamame. Yeah. Yep. 
kidding. That's right. Oh, that makes sense, though. It's yeah. like soybeans. <laughs> get it? <laughs> Adamami. <laughs> That's definitely what they were going for, I'm we sure. A, we need a rim shot, Todd. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, this is a big, this is a big step or uh, a consolidation, I guess, of kind of getting things worked into one system. Makes, yeah. It'll make it easier. For sure. For sure. All what's going on. I, I'll be honest, I didn't know that they weren't all together already. You right, know, I, I thought I thought that was already like a thing. So I yeah, that was somewhat news to me of that they weren't already like a one big sort of group. So I, I agree, yeah. I didn't realize that until this, this came out. As yeah, it even says in the article, so Syngenta Crop Protection's based in Switzerland. Syngenta Seeds is based in Chicago. Uh Adamame, Adama, whatever we're going to call it, Adama, uh, is in Israel, and Syngenta Group China is in Shanghai. So, yeah, it was apparently four different bases, and now they're all kind of together under one. Did it say where the new base would be? Uh, don't remember. I think they're still... It's more of a... The, the center of the universe, Seymour, Wisconsin. Yeah, right. <laughs> It's not here. More of a just nope. combining. Nope. Yeah, I don't know if they <laughs> we would have noticed the, if, the if other group named is. Uh, a <laughs> official headquarters necessarily. Right, this town's only big enough for one group, and we're it. <laughs> uh, oh, there it is, headquartered in Switzerland. Okay, so we're gonna have to redo our big map on the wall of all the different companies and how they fit together. We're gonna have to. That was seed companies. I don't know that this changes any of that. No, you know, it'll be the same. Syngenta Seeds is just now no, still no, Syngenta. I thought that yeah. was seed. Seed. I thought it was everything agriculture. It's got seed other stuff in that but chart. In the yeah, Michigan State's got an awesome chart that does that and it shows it, you the parent it's companies. Mainly and seed company, but it does show. Well, now seed companies and chem companies are. Sort of one in the same, so yeah, it's it's kind of. We could do up. like a whole series of episodes on how this <laughs> Na- company had this name we, twenty years ago, and now navigating it, you know, the changes. We, we can't though; my brain does not work oh, that my well. Lord. Oh my god, it's so confusing. It, it'd be like that meme with uh, Charlie Day where you get all the the strings, like the crazy people when they have their oh, conspiracy yeah. theories. <laughs> We'd have to have like a map like that and go through a whole. I I I always get a kick out of that when we go to seed meetings after there's been a merger oh. and they're trying to say like it's this old number here but now it's got this new number on it now and it actually belongs to this company but we put our number and it's like ah, okay I I try and write all that down and try and remember it all but I just yeah uh, yeah NK Golden Harvest Well remember that. a couple of weeks ago we talked about Mycogen right and I'm going to be terrible and not remember the new name Brabant yeah I asked one of the co-op guys and they're like yeah we just they just rebranded because mycogen is a bad, like not a recognizable name in Iowa and in the I states. Yep. So they just rebranded. So hopefully now they can maybe sell some seed down there. That that's kind of what it's, he's telling us. It's crazy. It's it's wild how that works. Yeah. All right. So there you go. Syngenta Group, a combination of things that we already thought were kind of together. So <laughs> <laughs> that's a great way to put it. <laughs> All right. Love the banjo. All right. Egg history minute for today. We're continuing with our Dairy State focus for the month, and we're going to talk about the Dairymen's Association, founded in 1872. So in the 1870s, leaders of the Wisconsin cheese industry organized several professional organizations. One of the most famous organizations was the Wisconsin Dairymen's Association, founded in Watertown in 1872. 
was primarily a marketing association. However, the Dairyman's Association also provided education and new dairying methods through its publications and meetings. The group wanted to promote cheese as well as overcome opposition to the cheese industry among farmers. Wisconsin's German and Scandinavian immigrant families helped grow the dairy industry, adapted the dairying quickly, and created European-style cheeses inspired by their home countries. Wisconsin was soon famous for Swiss cheese. Wisconsin became the leading dairy state in 1915, producing more butter and cheese than any other. So there you go. Yet another reason we are the dairy state. I love it. More cheese, the better. Yeah, really. Feed me the cheese, feed me the butter. Yeah. I think I think the other night I made an omelet that was equal parts cheese and butter as it was eggs. <laughs> That's a lot of butter. Max. It was your heart does it not It was so good. <laughs> your heart's not gonna like you after it that. was so good. Yeah. They they told me the last time I went for a checkup, they're like, You should probably start getting your cholesterol tested. And I was like, Ah probably, I'm probably good. I don't think I wanna know. <laughs> my my daughter's a butter eater. She will just like white butter off of her bread even and like lick it off her finger so so when she we, we were talking about supper clubs you know a couple of weeks ago so she goes to supper club gets the butter packet just she would probably yeah if, just, if we let her she would just, just eat the butter, eat the butter. <laughs> we were talking the other day about a uh it's called a shame stick it's <laughs> deep fried butter rolled in uh cinnamon and sugar so shame stick I mean, it sounds delicious to me, it but sounds awesome, yeah. it definitely I get the name definitely fits because that would be that would be a shameful delight. Just throw a little uh, batter on it and a deep fried shame deep, stick. Yep, deep fried bu- butter rolled in what? Deep, yeah, so it's deep fried and then you freeze the butter, then you batter yep. it, and then you deep fry it, yep. and then you roll it in like cinnamon and sugar. And these are probably at county fairs that I, I'm happening right now. I would. I've never had one at a county fair. Uh, I've tried them before. They are very delicious. Yeah. Um. But yeah. I've cool. never seen one at the county fair. We'll have to see next year if they're at the county fair. All right. All right. If you like what you're hearing, please visit naicc.org, which is the National Alliance of Independent Crop Consultants. There you can find a crop consultant in your area. And please subscribe to our podcast. Um, we don't have any ads. We don't um, advertise anyway. any way we, or ask you for money. We just ask you to subscribe and tell a farmer friend, show him what a podcast is. I think it'll blow their mind of all the time they've got in a tractor cab right now, side dressing corn, that they could download um, different podcasts, and one of them could be ours. So could pass, um, pass that time of row after row after yes, row of corn. Yeah. In- instead of rocking out, you know, but maybe you be, just... You might, the only problem is you might be so interested, you might forget to count rows and screw <laughs> up. And mess up a couple, yeah. That never happens. No, never, ever, ever in a million years. And Matt, how do they follow us? Just watch that wedge row. Um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> uh, they, they follow us by searching at Tilt Talk Radio and Facebook and Twitter. Uh, sorry, I just wanted to give that warning in case somebody was listening while they said <laughs> Watch that wedge row. You know how many times I've heard that? Watch that wedge row. Also, can we tell everybody again to continue to send us questions and let us know, let us hear from you? We'll even take questions that are not agriculture related and try and answer them if they're interesting. I mean, I will. I don't know about you guys, but I will. I mean, especially yeah. if they're like Packers or something. Oh, I thought they're going to yeah. be about shame sticks. <laughs> no, no shame stick questions. Okay. This is a shame free podcast. And thanks again to Joe Sinkula for his question that led to today's podcast. So thank you, you Joe. Yeah. You even Joe, get a shout, shout out. out. Joe. Thank you, Joe. All right. Let's go into our cool beans. That's corny. So cool beans. Cool beans. Cool beans. Cool beans. Cool beans. Cool beans. All right. 
Cool beans for this week. FFA chapters teaming with insurance companies to hand out dairy products. And it's a lot of them, so I've got a list here. So next Wednesday, June 24th, from 4 to 6 p.m. at a local business or parking lot near you. So every FFA chapter? Uh, there's a lot. I'm going to read, it, read off right. the list here. We'll wait. So we have Coleman, Oconto, Oconto Falls, Surring, Gillette, Peshtigo, Southern Door, Pulaski, Valders, Denmark, Marinette. Pulaski again for some reason. Oh, Maybe they're doing two. it twice. <laughs> they, they love it. <laughs> New Holstein, Freedom, Kiwani, Seymour, which in Seymour it will be at the Family Insurance Center on Orchard Drive, Brilliant, Crivets, Wasaki, Clintonville, Bondwell, and Shano. And in, this is in cooperation with Maple Valley Mutual Insurance and several other sponsors. Is that just just our area, or do you just pull out our section and... Seem doesn't seem statewide here with that list. Nope, that, this is uh, I've seen it advertised on on Facebook and a couple of the other FFA chapters posting. So yeah, check your local FFA chap. Check with your local FFA chapters to see if it's happening in your area. As the resident Freedom FFA alumni on this podcast, Freedoms will be at the high school on in the parking lot off of Highway 55. So so you just drive up and they hand you like a big. Brick of cheese, or uh, it's a cooler bag of stuff. They have cool um, Dean's, uh, Rakes, Northern Distribution, Kugel's Cheese, Graf Creamery, Saputo, Simon's Cheese, I, Springside Cheese, Belgioso. So I, I can tell you exactly what is in the dairy bags at the Freedom one. I don't know if they're all going to be the did same. You, did you pack them? Did they? Ask I did for not. Help? I did not. Uh, the Freedom ones will be a half gallon of chocolate milk, Whoa. five ounces of shredded cheese, a half pound block of cheese. One pound of cheese curds and one pound of butter. That's enough for like one omelet. That's our dairy challenge <laughs> for next omelet. week. Yeah, there you go. You will have to. Yeah, we have to eat one box. Get it through the pot. Everybody go through their own drive-through, and every we have, each of us has to eat a bag of dairy product, <laughs> and then we're all going to take the day off. That would be yeah. And get I don't some think anyone wants the to pound hear of that. butter would be beast in a day, like a sitting. That's a lot don't, of cheese too. Don't yeah. test, Don't test me. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be a giant. A giant shame <laughs> to be a shame block. You know who? That's awesome. You know who would be helpful is uh, my coworker, my roommate, Mister Doug, because he p- cheese curds like oh, fresh he, cheese curds. He he he, he likes fresh or, cheese curds. Do you think they'll be fresh or not? No, probably not. Yeah, but I I think I've said on the podcast before. We stop every Wednesday. We stop at Henning's Cheese and Keel for their fresh cheese curds, and that's a one pound bag gone in like between the two of 30, us. Thirty seconds. Oh, five minutes. But I mean, a pound of cheese curds yeah, in five minutes is, but they're so good. Yeah. <laughs> they're squeaking. But anyway, no, I, I would assume these probably won't be fresh. They probably have to have these packed the night before. Cool. I would think That'd so. Be cool. Yeah. All right. So we're going to go to our That's Corny for this week, which <clears throat> actually, for all things considered, wasn't that bad of a That's Corny, but U.S. crop conditions took a dip this week. So. From the USDA Crop Progress Report, estimates of corn for the good to excellent rating were down to 71% from 75%. And 95% of the nation's corn has emerged, which is ahead of 92%, which is the five-year average. What happened in Illinois? Look at the map they got on here, below average corn crop. Yeah, so Illinois, Ohio, uh, some of the East Coast states through Tennessee, and then... Texas up to the Dakotas, pretty much um, all kind of below average, other than why South Dakota is kind of stands out there. I'm not sure, but 
Yeah. So, do you think the uh, the big uh, disparity in the amount of um, soybean acres planted this year probably has something to do with the amount of corn acres that got planted last year? We had to make up for it again this year. It it could be. Now they have soybean crop conditions too, and that looks a lot better on the map. More far more above average than below average, but the condition is as good versus excellent. So it's tricky too because on this chart it's below or above. So it's at, if you're right up at fifty percent mark is your thing is your level, and so Illinois is at forty eight percent, and Indiana is at fifty six percent. So. Um, really, not you know, we're that not far apart. That, yeah, we're not that much different. Um, Iowa is surprisingly, or you know, not surprising, but it's at sixty-eight percent good, so it's pretty amazing. And Wisconsin is at fifty-two percent, up from the forty-one percent at this time last year. I'm surprised it was even forty-one percent last <laughs> yeah. year. Yeah. Listen, I still have a problem with some of these planting numbers from last year. I said forty-one percent sounds really high. Yeah. We had so much to plant yet at this time last year. Say Fourth of July was a big planting window mm-hmm. for a lot of people, mm-hmm. which was that's an odd odd feeling. Fourth of July was we're, our was our big window. When this year we're gonna have corn probably at our chest or higher in I places. Had, I had some corn by my hips this week. Yeah, I mean there's, there's some tall corn in the countryside. It'll be above your head in two weeks. Yeah, well, especially now get get a shot yeah. of nitrogen on there, but yeah, knee high by the fourth will not be an issue this year for most. No, so. All right. Well, thanks for being here, guys. That'll do it for today. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Matt. Yeah. Thanks, all listeners out there. So today we talked about PSNTs, what they are, why we take them, when to take them, and how to interpret the results. In our spotlight, we looked at Syngenta Group, combining different parts into one entity. In our Ag History Minute, we talked about the Dairymen's Association, founded in 1872. And in our current events, Cool Beans and That's Corny, we have the FA chapters next week are handing out dairy products. And corn condition took a little bit of a dip, but not as corny as some of the things we've had to cover in the last few weeks. So thanks for listening, and as always, happy farming.